What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. People excited. We have a very cool guest. Her story is very dynamic. She's been through a lot. So I'm going to let her go through that. But she lives in Providence, Rhode Island. She is the founder of Monster Mini Golf, Kiss by Monster Mini Golf, Twilight Zone by Monster Mini Golf, and also manager of Gene Simmons Backstage Experience. Please welcome Christina. Video- <laughs> Everybody does it. It's okay. Oh my God. I had it. Say that again, please. Italiano. Italiano. Okay. okay. I want to pronounce the G. I know. The G is an alphabetical waste and it messes everybody up. Oh my goodness. Well, welcome, Christina. Can you please introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, Actually, I live in Las Vegas right now. We've been here for a little over uh, 10 years, originally from Providence, Rhode Island. That's where we started Monster Mini Golf. Built the first Monster Mini Golf in a small town in Northeast Connecticut, really as a way uh, to raise some money to edit a book I had written. Um, Now, 20 years later, we have about 30 or so locations across the country in the United States, uh, most of them franchise locations. That's amazing. So you yeah. you are actually like a triple threat. You you've done a lot of things, but I actually want to talk about a little bit about your childhood because I really love hearing people's stories and um what motivates them, what has helped them create their success. Because I feel like behind a lot of successful people, there has been a lot of struggle, and mm-hmm. yours is one of struggle. And you know you're thriving. You know I said surviving, thriving. You, you said th- I said surviving. You said thriving. Yeah. I'll tell people a little bit about you know your background. Sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I had a rough background, not that anybody should have to experience any of it, but my background included uh, years of child abuse, um, sexual child abuse. So um, I don't know what it is about me because it affects everybody so differently. And, and there's an awful lot of it that happens that nobody knows about. Yep. Um, but for me, my vice was working and just at the time surviving. And now um they call, they call people who've been through trauma, whether it's child abuse or, or domestic abuse or anything, really, they call you survivors. But in reality, um, and that's a personal thing with me where that, that worry bugs me because sure, we've all survived, which means we're basically breathing and walking the earth. Um, right. That's one thing, because that, that doesn't always you know work out for a lot of people. That's not fair to a lot of people. Um, it's the people who have been through things they shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, if you can come out of it where you've overcome that balance, where that's not controlling you, you're probably more controlling it. That means you're thriving yes. <laughs> because yeah. I've survived for a very long time in my life. I don't want to survive. I want to do more than that. Yeah. You know, life, yeah. life isn't about existence, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's so they consider that when you've been sexually abused by a family m- member, they consider that human trafficking. So you're yes. a human trafficking survivor. And so that, I mean, Congratulations for getting through yeah, that because yeah. I'm one myself, not from family, but um, and that that really does a lot of damage. It does, people, you know? and it, it does. And it, it, it in my experience in life, and I didn't realize this until I was probably in my mid-20s, um, I didn't realize how much effect, to me, it just happened like every night, every night, every night. Um, oh, my goodness. But for some people, one experience, whether it's rape or whatever, or it doesn't matter what it is, can affect that person just as dramatically as somebody who's been through what I've been through because we're all so different. Yeah. And that took me, I would, when I saw that and I experienced that in life and somebody said, hey, this is what happened to me. And I watched that person just fall apart and never pick up the pieces. 
um, I thought, holy cow, this is just, it, it just shouldn't happen. But yeah, it does. It does. yeah, it, it does affect everybody differently. And yeah. you, know, you have, a, have to decide whether you're going to allow that to be your whole story or just part of your story, a chapter in your story and just, the, you know, hopefully grow from it, heal and move forward. It sounds like you've definitely healed. Um, yes, your bio says that as you're in your childhood, you no heat, no money, no home, no food. Um, but a lot of people didn't know that on the outside. So you've really experienced, I mean, that, that had to be very, um, detrimental on top of being sexually abused at a very young age. Yeah. It's, I think when you're a child, um, there's a good and a bad to that. I look probably on the right words, but when you're young, you don't know any better. Yeah. So you, your resilience is just amazing. And the more you learn <laughs> and the more you experience, um, it affects you in, in more negative ways. And it should. But as a child, you, you tend to be able to accept more because your family is the core of your life. Right. So if it's bad in that family, you feel like you still should be in that family. Does That's an inner, inner child. All you want to do is usually make your parents happy and be part of a family your biggest fear or my biggest fear was being tossed out and becoming an orphan or, or yeah. ruining the family or all those things um, as a child anyway. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's you, onward and upward. Sounds like you've totally have done that. So it looks like you, um, from what I'm reading here, you've, you've opened in May of 2004 monster mini golf. So tell us about that. What was your inspiration? What current caused that creativity to, to pop up for you <laughs> at the time? Um, I had met my husband who was actually, we were married then. Um, I left my career. I was a workaholic. So my vice was working, just okay. working, working, working. And it was, it kept me occupied. So I left my career. Um, my background is managing, managing retail management, district management, you know, work your way up that corporate ladder. Sure. Um, then I went on to manage restaurants and nightclubs and marketing and things like that. When I met my husband, I just quit one day and said, I can't do it anymore. I, I have to be able to balance a real relationship. So I went to work with him for a bit. He owned sound, uh, a sound and lighting production company where he rent equipment out to concert venues and things like that. Um, and then I got bored <laughs> very quickly. Uh, and we had a, a warehouse um, where he stored all of his equipment. It was an old mill in Northeast Connecticut, a little tiny town. And while I was working with him, I started writing my memoir. I put everything from the age of four down to, you know, I got to about 30 years old and I completed it. And back then, that was 20 plus years ago, um, to become published, and it was mostly traditional publishing, self-publishing wasn't right. a big deal back then. Right. Um, obviously, when you get done with something like that, you should have it professionally edited. Even now you should, because it's very yeah. important. But at the time, um, the quote to have my manuscript edited was about $5,000. Holy cow. That's I did not have $5,000. We do not have, we, we live paycheck to paycheck. You know, we, we do not come from money, obviously. Um, so I said, well, what if I can create something yeah. where I can make some money? It can just be me and a friend working there and we'll make enough money to eat and I can put the extra money towards the $5,000 that I need. So we were coming home from New York one day. My husband was working a gig and um, I said, I think I have an idea. I think I want to do mini golf indoors. And I remember him saying, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would anybody <laughs> want to do that? We're in New England. We want to be outside. Um, I said, because I need to work all year round. I can't work three months a year. Yeah. So um, I said, here's the deal. If I take everything that I've done and I toss it into this one kind of concept and everything that I've learned, this is what I came up with. Um, 
I wanted something with little to no inventory. And mini golf, you come in, you pay us money, we give you a golf club, we give you a ball and a scorecard. And when you're done, you give us two of those three things back. So our profit margin was pretty good. So in my head, that made sense to me. Um, I could do it with a friend. You know what I mean? A friend, you know, you don't have to go to school to learn how to sell mini golf. <laughs> sure. Sure, yeah. um, but then I had to build it. Yeah. Uh, and it was also important to me to create something that was fun. We lived in a town that was very low income town, old mill town. And all I heard from the parents was it cost too much money to go to the movies. We can't even afford to go to the movies these days. Yeah. And at a hundred plus dollars by the time you get done with everything. And that's sad. Yeah. So mini golf was, again, it came into that little check mark of we can do this for less than the movies for people and everybody can play. So all my little check marks were done, but then I had to literally build this thing. And I thought, how the heck am I going to build it with no money? Yeah. So the monster theme was a result of, I can build monsters because they are whatever come out of your head. And if they're made of paper mache or found objects or whatever, that works. So I did that over the course of the next six months. Um, it's black lights because it was, again, cost effective. If you paint yeah. everything black, you only paint what people want you to see, which I learned from the nightclub business, and you throw on some black lights and some music, cool stuff. So Very cool. So oh, my God, I love it. it. Very MacGyvered. It was, that's yeah. pretty much what, what I tell people. Yeah. So that is awesome. Yeah. Yep. So that's how we, uh, that's how we got the first one open. Um, and so how long did it take from opening the first one to, to creating and uh, creating a franchise, right? So you you have yeah. franchises. I mean, so that's that is pretty pretty cool in itself. Yeah. And people ask you, know, how did you franchise, or why did you franchise? And originally, it was out of fair. Yeah. Um, we had opened in May of two thousand and four, and by the end of that summer, uh, the Providence Journal had done an article about us, and we had little articles here and there. But it was a sunny. Um, it was I'm sorry. It was it was a rainy Sunday afternoon, and our place was mobbed. And I looked up in that crowd. And all I could see in here is, are the parents talking to each other saying, this place is a gold mine. This place is a gold mine. And I got scared. Oh, really? And I said to my husband, we either have to open a, a new one, a bigger one, a second one in the city, or I got to do something else. Right. And we couldn't afford to build in the city at the time. So um, I was very naive. And I said to him, well, why don't we just franchise it? Didn't know anything about franchising at the time. I, McDonald's did it. You know, Dunkin' Donuts did it. That was my that was my experience in franchising. So I got online um, and I searched how do I franchise my business. And back then, uh, it wasn't a lot really online back then. There was right. no yeah. I now you have everything. Now you can you have access. Alex, to everything. like three things came up, um, and we learned how to franchise a business. And we wow. we sold everything that we owned. Um, we took out an insane loan from the guy who owned that company um, because he believed in us so much. And uh, we spent the next nine or 10 months, because that's what it takes to become legal to franchise. Um, we lived in our mini golf course so that we could pay back that loan to that man. And um, and by the time we became legal to sell, we sold our first franchise. Our franchise fee at the time was $30,000. And we handed the man who owned the company the last $10,000 that we owed him. And uh, that's how we started. <laughs> What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel of Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must live label free. Ho, 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 ladies. The holidays came early, not only for you, but for your man here at Manscaped. 
the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products that your men will actually use, including their all-new Ultra Premium Body Wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. Also, this awesome refined cologne. It smells so sexy. My man loves it. I love him wearing it, especially after he's all clean-shaven, using the Lawnmower 4.0, and trimming those nasty nose hairs and those ear hairs. You know, you know what I'm saying, ladies? It's time to give the man in your life the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use the code LABELFREE20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's right, ladies. 20% off and free shipping with the code LABELFREE20 at manscaped.com. And so in 2009, you landed on the front page of the Wall Street Journal with an underdog victory against litigious, aggressive monster cable company. Talk to us, talk to us about that, you know, because there's a lot of stuff. I've gone through some stuff like that in my previous life, you know, with my late husband. And um, we had a one year, I had like nine different lawsuits for nine. I was in had nine different cases for nine different lawsuits. And it like, that's something you go up against when you're in business. And it really oh, sucks. Yeah. Horrible, horrible, horrible. I will say, yeah, I don't love, love to say, but it sucked out loud, like really, really did. <laughs> it was terrible um, because it was our first big thing. You know, they yeah. came after us. They wanted our name. They wanted to, they wanted to trademark the word monster. Okay. Now, to me, who started this from scratch, obviously I'm a little I'm very passionate about our name. We had franchisees. I was terrified. Sure. Um, sure. And our bills, we, we obviously, um, you know, you need attorneys and Gosh, we have a lot of attorneys now, but you need attorneys to handle this for you. So as we learned more about this company, we let, we were the 434th person they sued trying to own the word monster. Holy cow. So over the years, they had gone after everybody that used the name. And in most cases, um, even to this day, people don't understand trademarking. And I know more about it than I ever should, but right now, but you don't. So he was a bully and he would convince them to sign opposed to their other choice was getting sued, losing everything they had, because usually you don't have that much money to pay for your legal fees. Right. So it, was, it was almost extortion. Um, and it's called, you know, trademark bullying. Yeah. He would get them to sign their name over to him and he would kind of like license it to them for a dollar a year for the rest of their lives. And they thought, well, this is great. I get to use my name. It doesn't cost me any money. Meanwhile, he's stacking up marks. So right, he owns right. you know, Monster with jeans. He owns Monster with this. So eventually he will own the word. Right. Um, so we made a point to learn about all of this. And um, I didn't care. I just went at him with, we went at him with everything that we had. It was before Facebook, before a lot of the social media, but Reddit did exist. Yeah. Um, tax machines existed, everything. We went bananas. Um, our legal fees got to the point where they were at, back then up over $200,000. And for us back then, we got to a point then where if we lose, we lose everything. Right. We don't, we don't exist. So when you have nothing to lose except right. everything, you fight harder. Yes. Um, I remember it was before Christmas, it was like right, right around Christmas um, time, maybe a couple of days before Christmas. And I was wiped. We were exhausted. And I said to my husband, I'm going to send him. I found his home address. It took me a while because, again, not a lot on the Internet back then. Yeah. Found his home address, and I wrote his wife a letter. And I said, this is what your husband is doing. This is what he's been doing to other companies. My gut feeling is he's forgotten who he is. Yeah. Because I, I believe that if you throw half a dozen real entrepreneurs, meaning you started with nothing and you've built this cool empire, 
if you throw them all into a room and they start chatting, they're going to have a lot in common and all their egos will go away and you're going to solve problems. Yes. You add 20 lawyers into that, you'll never solve anything. Correct. So I, I said, this is what's happening. Um, and I sent a couple of, I think, uh, DVDs. Maybe it was, maybe it was VHS back then, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I sent like, you know, the Grinch is still Christmas. I said, you know, right now, this is who you're living with. Right. And that was it. And I didn't hear anything. My husband and I, we just we were so tired from fighting. Our entire crew was fighting with us. Yeah. Um, it was, I think, December 20 something. I got online and said, where can we afford to fly to? We flew to Key West. We were in Providence, Rhode Island time and said, let's escape this for a few days. I yeah. can't do it anymore. We're not going to have a Christmas. And Christmas Eve, his attorney, who was pure evil, <laughs> um, called us and said, Noel wants to talk to you guys directly. I said, oh, really? Yeah. We ended up getting on the phone with our attorneys, their attorneys. And at some point we said, can we please get all the attorneys off the phone? Yeah. And Noel said, yes. And we talked to each other. We solved our problem. And in the long run, he agreed not to sue anybody else for use of that word, unless it was legit. Right. Um, and they, they, um, they took care of all of our legal fees. Good. And he even came out to um, to meet us. So, yay. Gosh, I'm going to um, And I honestly, he, I, boy, coming from, he was like Dr. Evil to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, his team was more like that. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, you, you know, we met face to face. He was a cool guy that just got wrapped up in this craziness. Yeah. Well, and uh, the attorneys, I'm sure he didn't really, wasn't oh. as hands-on. His attorney no. probably did it. no. It was horrible. So, you know, I've yeah. been, I've been through that. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, his it attorney does... was an in-house attorney, which means that that attorney was on his payroll. Okay. Um, there you go. There you so, go. Yeah. So anybody who knows anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. So he, that, yeah. he, that's job security for him. If you mm-hmm. after everybody's name, you know, oh, yeah. that's just awful. Well, I'm glad that that worked out in your favor because that's just an awful experience. I know from, from, you know, my past and going through some stuff. Um, in 2012, you opened Kiss by Monster Mini Golf yeah. in Las Vegas. So, with legendary rock band Kiss, tell us about that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I always, uh, when you're in franchising, there is no matter who you are, there's somebody that's always a lot bigger. We're very small, we're 30 locations, but very, very small in franchise world. Um, but you, your biggest thing, or one of the things that you need to offer to your franchisees is branding and getting your name out there. So, marketing is huge. It's one of the reasons they buy into your concept. Uh, so I was always looking for ways like we were maybe six or seven years old at the time. And I said, but I want the experience and I want the branding of being 20 years old. I just yeah. wanted to jump, you know, and I said, how do we do that? And we had traveled to Las Vegas a lot for a lot of conventions. Um, we said, well, what if we built here? This is this is a huge commercial. And we thought about it and said, OK, well, if we do that, you can't build a regular monster mini golf. If you're going to go to Las Vegas. You go to Las Vegas. and You do something really cool. And we said, well, what if we co-brand? Yeah. So we thought about who to co-brand with. Um, we are, we're a family entertainment concept, but we're a cool family entertainment concept. We attract yeah. adults. We attract So you had to stay edgy too, but not over the top edgy, you know, because you, you still want your children. Um, so my husband was a Kiss fan. I'd always been a Kiss fan. Um, so over the years, I would get stuck listening to books on tape by Gene Simmons. You know, oh, <laughs> so Gene Simmons is pretty cool, dude. Yeah. So I had listened to that because we do a lot of road trips and things like that. And um, 
as I listened to him, I'm like, you know, there's something about this guy. I would get along with this guy business-wise. Um, we, we would jive, you know? So yeah. I started to um, ask people at business meetings when we got done, hey, you have Gene Simmons' phone number? That's more of a joke. Yeah. And after about a year, somebody said, you know, Christina, I know you, if you're asking everybody for this, I do have the right contact person for you. You need a license to, to build a KISS place. Um, and he gave me KISS's attorney's number. So I didn't even tell my husband. I never tell him when I'm doing crazy things because he thinks I'm nuts. Um, so I got <laughs> online. That's a good way, though. <laughs> oh, it's so much better. <laughs> I tell him after, and he's like, oh, what are we in for now? Oh, um, <laughs> so I emailed the attorney. I explained what we're looking to do. I explained where we wanted to do it. Um, and I figured I'd never hear back. So I emailed, sent the email, and I got up from the office and went to get a cup of coffee down the street. And when I came back, um, our office manager said, hey, Christina, um, so-and-so is on the phone for you. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I said, I'm not prepared for this. I thought, oh, dear, this is going to go bad. But we spent about 45 minutes explaining you know, to each other what our brand was like, what their brand was like. And by the end of the call, um, we initiated a deal. It took us about a year to sign a contract for wow. an insane amount of money. Um, and then we had to build a location in Las Vegas. That is super yeah. cool. And so these monsters behind you, are these um, monsters yeah. that are in, in the mini golf? Yes. So I think this is Yonkers, New York. And I, I just, I don't know, I like the teddy bear and our giant is really cool. So the big guy behind us, the green guy, he stands up and he talks and he tells jokes and he farts. So he's a cool dude. <laughs> I love that. That's very cool. So how can people support you? What I, I for my audience, anybody that's listening, what what can we do to support you and um, just see Monster Mini Golf grow and grow and grow? Well, easy um, online and pretty much everywhere on every social media. MonsterMiniGolf.com is our website. Um, at Monster Mini Golf uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, all of our locations have their own Facebook pages. So if you're looking to, you know, see where anybody is, um, we're very uh, we're very searchable. Um, if you want to reach out to me directly, it's one two three Christina V, and that's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I have my own website for my book, which is titled Every Nine Minutes. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and that's because every nine minutes, there is a case of child abuse reported. That's reported. Um, most people don't report it. I did not. So that'll give you a kind of a holy cow. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Um, and if you want to reach me directly, Christina at monstermanygolf.com, you can email me anytime. Awesome. Well, I will make sure I put all of those links in the show notes, you guys. So go ahead and check Monster Mini Golf out. Reach out to Christina if you're interested in a franchise. I'm sure she'd love to talk to you <laughs> and help get you on that path. So don't hesitate to use the links in the show notes to reach out to her. And Christina, before I say goodbye, I always like to ask my guests for any last words of wisdom or advice that they'd like to leave with the, with the audience. Yeah. Uh, real courage begins when the outcome is uncertain. Ooh, I like that. That's a good one. Found it in a fortune cookie 30 something years ago. <laughs> oh, and you remembered it all this time, huh? I, I still have it. Yeah. Oh, very cool. See, yeah. you know, I, I still have some fortune somewhere, but I don't, rem I don't have that good of a memory, but it has been an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you on the show christina you have gone done some amazing things i love me like talking to total boss babes like yourself you've educated <laughs> yourself you've you know you, i mean you've gone through a lot of stuff you know that wisdom is priceless when you go through those experiences but thank you very much for being a guest um 
You guys, this is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. Live your best life. You must label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share, follow, all those good things. And I'll be back soon with more dynamic guests.